Jesus. We thank you for everything that you have in store today, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for using me, Lord. Thank you that people will be healed through this word, that they will be set free, that they will be delivered, and they will be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's a spiritual law, isn't it? We've been talking about, we talk about spiritual laws all the time. Because we're not under the law of the old covenant anymore, but it certainly does not mean that there are not a lot of spiritual laws that God has in place for our benefit and we have to learn what they are and how to cooperate with them, else they can be harmful to us. And um, I, God says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge or a lack of knowing me. So we need to know and we should have a desire to know our Lord and Savior even more and more. The closer we get to him, the more we should want. Because the more you know or find out about the Lord, um, the more you realize that you need to know or that there is to know. Yeah. So if you exalt yourself, he's talking about pride and humility, in case you haven't figured that out. But if you, if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. It's a spiritual law. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So God is the one who does the promoting and he's looking for humility in the ones he does promote. So if you want to be used of God, ask him to make you usable. And he's not going to do this part for you. He's not going to humble you. The Bible says to humble yourself before the Lord. So it's your job. But he will teach you that that's one of his main things. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So with God, the way up is down and vice versa. The way down is up. The responsibility is ours. And um, just important to remember that humility does not originate in our emotions. It's not a feeling. And there is such a thing as false humility. Of course, you all know that. And... Um, some of you, you know, I'm sure you have great discernment and you're just like, I'm not believing that for a second, you know. And that's where, you know, because, you know, love is your responsibility. Yes. You are to love everyone, but trust has to be earned. Mm -hmm. No one's entitled to your trust. And so it's important that Christians understand that so they don't get taken advantage of their whole life. But... You have to separate that sin from the center. Amen? Amen? I'm just finishing up on a few things, touching on humility again, because I told you I'm going to keep teaching on it until Jesus returns. Well, there was an alternative until we all get it, but I think I'll just stick with it until Jesus returns <laughs> and be safer that way. <laughs> and uh, so it's a matter of our free will. And it's expressed in our actions. Yeah. 
Proof's in the pudding, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Galatians 5 has all the fruit of the Spirit listed in verses 22 and 23. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, love, joy, peace, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So if love and joy and peace are already inside of you, remember how I ministered on the fact that all of the grace of God, all grace, all grace inside of you and your born-again spirit has been planted, the implanted seed, which has taken root, and it will bear, bear fruit if you let it. So a good way to remember this as you're trying to grow in the grace, because you're supposed to grow in grace, huh? And it's already in you if you belong to Jesus. So you got to learn to live inside out, folks. That's the Christian life. You're a spirit with a soul and a body. I see people trying to discuss God and the veracity or the, or the, the deception of whether or not it's real and all that. And you see people like, uh, who's this wonderful, uh, talented, intelligent young man? He's a reporter. He's Jewish. Ben something. Oh, anyway, I see interviews. And he, you know, he tries. He tries. He's, he's just one of those that says, I just think it's a bunch of people got together and just, you know, they just made this up. And uh, he's Jewish, you know. And, uh, and that's what they think. And then he'll, ha but he'll have Christians on there to debate and to talk about it and discuss it, and uh, they just, but he just doesn't ever have the right ones on there. <laughs> Plus, he never, he never going to get get it this way. You just need to learn to live inside out. The seeds of grace have been planted and are grown and matured in your spirit if you're in Christ. So just let them out. Mm -hmm. Let him live through you. Live inside out. <laughs> Same law in James 4.10 says that uh, he says to humble yourself. See there? Again, our responsibility. Humble yourself before the Lord. It's all about God, you know. It's what you do in your prayer closet. It's, you know, when nobody's looking, the hidden things that aren't hidden from God. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's what James said in 4.10, I think. So agree with God in everything. Because he's trying to help you. He's trying to help get to you. He's trying to get things to you. Get things. They could be tangible, physical things. And it could be other things. To help you walk in all the, the blessings of the atonement. And humility is just the first step. You know, so we have to 
Learn to agree with God when it comes to that and not, and not believe it when the enemy says, if you do that, you're going to suffer loss. You're letting them make a fool out of you. You see, you have to get past all that if you want to be grown-up Christian. <laughs> it's just the law of, of, the, of God, and it's not ever going to change. And we don't really break God's laws. They break us if we don't learn to agree with him. And that's not, he's pleading with us to agree with him. Here's, here's, he, he, I wrote a book, told you all about me. <laughs> and, and so, you know, believe me when I tell you something, it's for your own good. Yeah. There's a, there's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings, I might've mentioned to you before in chapter five about Naaman, you know him, the leper? Go over there, 2 Kings chapter 5, for just a minute. 2 Kings chapter 5, starting at the beginning of the chapter, it's all about Naaman. He wasn't, an, uh, he wasn't a Jew. He was commander of the army of the king of Syria, which is one of the mighty armies of the world at the time. And it said he was a great man and had great favor with his king because he had brought him... Uh, Victory, you see, so he was successful commander, and and he was a mighty man of valor. It says, then it says, but he was a leper. So everything in the Old Testament is in type and shadow, you see, and uh, you could be maybe anything you want in this world. We love to tell our little ones that, and. Uh, and it's true. You should encourage them to, to be the best them that they can be. But also teach them to rely fully upon God. Because you could be the best of anything in the world. And, um, and you're still sinful without Christ. Leprosy is always a type of sin in the Bible. Anyway... Naaman had leprosy, and they had a little slave girl. Back then, they would raid, do raids, and they would steal people. <laughs> it's always been a sin. Still is. Amen. <laughs> and it's uh, more uh, rampant today than it was in Bible times, believe it or not. So I wish people would get upset about it as they are about things that happened uh, you know, 150 years ago or longer. So get upset about the things that are happening today, not the things that have already been remedied, huh? Praise God. That's a, that's a word from God, I believe. So Naaman, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because he's a perfect example of someone who tried to come to God in a big way to impress God, but he learned how Humility was the only way to interact with God. He, this, this slave girl in his house, she says, oh, it's too bad that you're not in uh, Samaria um, where the prophet is from her homeland, you see, because uh, he would heal you. <laughs> and so Naaman goes and tells the king, and the king writes a letter for him to the king you know, of, uh, of Israel, and he goes and, and he loads up 
um, a bunch of, a whole caravan of gifts. Ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel. And then politics enter in, right? The king reads it, and he's like, what, am I God? And he's, well, this guy trying to pick a fight with me? <laughs> All this suspicion and craziness that you generally experience in politics happens, and he sends him away. Well, the prophet hears about this, and he says, wait a minute, what are you doing, Elisha? He tells the king, he says, what are you doing? Don't send this guy away. Send him to me. And then they'll know that God is here in Israel, you know. And so he's, he, they go and catch him and send him over there to Elisha's house. And, uh, and when he gets there, <laughs> he's... He comes with this big fanfare, this big posse, right? He's got this caravan of, of treasures, and I'm sure he had other soldiers and all that in the pomp and circumstance, and, or whatever you call it, and he pulls up in front of a, Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends, he sends his servant out. <laughs> and he tells him, go, go dip in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be clean. And it ticked him off because he was a proud man. And when I say that, believe me, I'm not bragging on him. But he was full of pride. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, he starts saying what we do a lot of times, how he expects God should handle this. You see? And let me see if I can find that real quick. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and he went away saying, Behold, I thought, there we go, I thought that he would surely come out to me. So he wanted to be greeted and acknowledged and all that and stand and call upon the name of the Lord he's even he's even got it all figured out sounds like my seven-year-old granddaughter you're on the stage everything for everybody you sit here and and y'all want to do a show you want to you want to you want to do a show papa nani okay well what is, well, well I'll do all the parts you know she'll say and so <laughs> but but but, but Naaman, he, so he was angry. He said, I thought he'd come out. And he'd come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the, cure the leper, right? And then he, he names a couple of the rivers from his homeland that are very pure and clear water and beautiful because it is a lot more beautiful because the Jordan that he was telling him to go dip in was very muddy, dirty water. So he said, I could have dipped in the rivers of my beautiful, you know, home, hometown or whatever. Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. And so, and so right there, he was, he was, he was lost. He was not going to get anything from God. Thankfully, though, one of his servants... And if you, 
you know, well, you want to be a servant of God, be like this guy. When people are, because God gave this servant a word of wisdom for his master, you see. And he, he saw him when, and this is the same thing, when we see people off track, we should try to reason with them and point them back to God. But he, his servant came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He's actually said to you, wash and be clean. And so it, he, he must have thought better of it. So he went. He went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So... It all worked out for old Naaman, after all. Thanks to a, a slave girl and a servant boy and a, a mighty man of God who... See, you think Elisha was just a rude guy? Nah. Why didn't he come out? Yeah. Same reason Jesus told that rich young ruler... Sell everything you have and give it away and come follow me. Because money was his problem, wasn't it? So, anyway, it all worked out. And, and that's, that's what we need to understand is that we can't, we can't expect to receive from God while we're in pride. And when you're angry, when you're in a rage, it all points, you know, when I, I thought God should do this and do that. And <laughs> You know, we, you're not going to get it your way. It's not Burger King heaven, you know. <laughs> so don't get trapped into following the wisdom of the world for your uh, relationship with God or with other folks, you know, or for your finances or for your health or your emotions. If you want to walk in power and victory, which Jesus has already won, by the way, for us, you need to learn to speak God's truth and agree with his ways. Simple as that. Amen. We, uh, this little church is, uh, the more I talk to the Lord about what's going on here and, and, uh, and, you know, questions that I have, things that I might be hoping for, believing for, still am. He, he shows me a lot of really beautiful things about this place, you know, about these people, about this, <clears throat> this uh, time in which we are in, the time that we've been here. You know, we just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm still, I've still been fasting up till now, so going to be finishing now. I'm going to continue on in a form of fasting, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. So I'm releasing everyone who continued on with me. I released everybody from the, the main, the first fast a while back, but, you know, just, just think about that. How many of you fasted? Don't raise your hand. You know, and I know there are lots of reasons, maybe some 
have that they had, but you could fast something, because I, I even gave that as an option. If you didn't, I'd just like you to ask yourself why. And I also want you to ask yourself, have you been praying in the Spirit? Have you sought out the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because if you haven't figured it out yet, this is a full-blown Holy Ghost. <laughs> Five-fold ministry evangelical church. We believe in the Holy Ghost. We believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, and we think they're necessary. And um, God has shown me that in no uncertain terms. So if you haven't, and you don't pray in the Spirit, and that's not a condemning thing. I'm just, just ask yourself, why? You know, why? Why? Because I teach about it, and it's not something that's just going to hit you in the middle of Kroger's one day, and cause you to grab hold of the mic at the checkout, and make a fool out of you. God's not like that. <laughs> and have you learned to make a habit of putting the Word of God in you? You know, in some form. And today, with all the technology we have, there's just no reason not to. Because a lot of times, I know, because I, I, I'm, I'm doing, you know, whether it's work, secular, or ministry, or a different ministry, I'm, you know, I never wore glasses until uh, about the first three years of staring at this thing, day and night. But I'm not blaming God, and I still believe this is not his best, but the fact is, I, I will listen to the Bible a lot of times if my eyes are not, you know, but there's all sorts of ways to do that. And, you know, you can't always be in church. I know this sounds like I'm getting on to you, but I'm not. I'm just asking you to consider some things. I'm not asking anyone to raise hands or pointing anyone out. I'm not, I don't even think like that. But, you know, when you're not here at church, I, you know, I, not, this is not a poor me thing, but I put in a lot to make sure that these messages are available on every single podcast format that there is and also on YouTube now, you know, to watch the videos. So if you haven't subscribed, please do that. It doesn't mean you have to watch it, but it just shows the world that we have a few <laughs> subscribers. I don't think too many people know about it yet. But if you say, well, I don't want to watch it, then believe me, I don't like watching myself either. So um, I do it just to kind of check on things and because we've been improving and trying to do the extra 2% every week, get, get better and stuff like that. But, you know, you can listen to the podcast and, uh, you know, you can listen to it double speed if you need to. You know, my wife, <laughs> I think my wife listens a little faster than I normally speak. But nevertheless, the point of that is this is your church. God has a place for everybody. I know the whole world just, they think, you don't have to go to church to be saved. That's, very, that's true. I don't think that you're going to love God as much as you would if you do go to church. That's a fact. I mean, it just can be proven, you know. 
And, you know, it's just like people saying, well, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. The man, you know, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. Well, okay, you know, but why? Why wouldn't you? You got to ask yourself, what is that? There's a rebellion in there somewhere. And the point of the messages is not that there's anything special about me. Although, if you're here and this is your church, then you should be able to hear me. You should be able to hear God through me. There's an anointing. And if it's not, and if it's like hitting a brick wall with you, then you're in the wrong place. I don't think that's any of you. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm talking to everyone. But the point of the messages is God has taken this church on a, a track, a course of action, of a road of discovery and enlightenment in his word. That's why it's important that you hear the messages. I don't care how many clicks I get or whatever, you know what I mean? I want the people to hear the message every week if this is your church. You got people fishing out of one pond and another pond and another pond and, you know, it's okay. Uh, you, you know, I don't take ownership of God's people. I've never been that preacher. I know a lot of them. I think that sucks. Uh, is that a cuss word, May? Okay, I'll watch out. But I think, you know, we don't, you don't belong to me, but... If you belong here, then this is your church, and this is where you're fed. I think this is where you should give your tithes and offerings. Then bring them into the storehouse where you're fed, so you can be. And uh, but the track record of the messages is what God was showing me. He said, "There's if if anyone, he, it doesn't matter if they think you're the greatest preacher in the world or not. If they listen to the messages, even a blind chipmunk in the snow could." Follow the trail to Jesus. <clears throat> but not if he doesn't try, you know. That's my point. And I don't know why I'm laboring that, so just don't worry about it if it's not for you. <clears throat> because I know, I know people that are in dire straits in this life right now. Uh, in the natural. Um, some physically, others financially, still others emotionally, or a combination of some or all of those things. I know people in all of those situations. Um, and listen, sometimes it's just the fallen world that we live in. You know, so it's not about condemnation or judgment. It's just important that we know that there are things that we have available to us and that we can do because we have a part to play and we don't have to just accept whatever the devil tries to throw at us. That's the benefit of what we teach here and the truth that we know over many Places that teach the opposite. We're not their enemy. 
We love them. We love to get a hold of them and teach them the truth about who they are and what they have in Christ. Maybe you're in a hard place right now. To some degree, I think many, many, many people are in hard places right now. Um, I don't settle for that. I don't accept that. You know, I don't, when you, I, I talk to people just like y'all do, the one that gets on the phone with you and they say, oh, it's been going around, everybody. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't, I say, not me. <laughs> people will get sick. Like everybody at my wife's work will get sick. She came down with something recently, but not like they did. She could barely walk one day, and maybe it had the best of her the next day when I was out of town. But by the next day, she's my wife's the type. That's that's enough. That's how she is about sickness because she knows that what we teach is true, and she, when she gets it, that 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 devil is taking advantage of you. And when was well, she's not the type to allow that, you see. So just getting to know that is what we need to all do. I guess she and I both, when we were kids, we were fortunate not to be not from wealthy families. We just, we weren't allowed to be sick, really. <laughs> so we never got used to it. <clears throat> I saw some young woman, adult, uh, I didn't watch it. <clears throat> but it flashed up on my phone. <clears throat> Has this, was had a meltdown and it went viral because she said that working a 40 hour work week could not, she could not enjoy her life if she had to work 40 hour work week. <laughs> this is the time in which we live. <laughs> but people do have real problems and I'm not trying to minimize those it's something that I'm all too familiar with <laughs> unfortunately and I get to share in everybody else's and that's the life that I've been called to and so I'm not complaining about that in any way don't ever think that you can't share those things with me. But Second Chronicles chapter 20. <clears throat> There's another story, and it's the last one I'll share with you today, but there was a, there was a king who had a, he was in dire straits. His name was Jehoshaphat. You might have heard of him. He was the king of the small tribe of Judah. Second Chronicles chapter 20. <clears throat> and uh, I'll probably just turn over there too. It's just a few pages or a little bit. About that, this much further than Second Kings. 
about a sixteenth of an inch <laughs> thickness in pages. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter twenty, and um, so this guy was in a bad situation. He was surrounded, or he 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 had three armies, <laughs> three crazy vicious armies, like you know. They wanted to just destroy him and everyone in Jerusalem. And they were heading straight for him. So he, he was cut off on every front. And uh, you see that at the beginning of the 20th chapter. You see uh, it was the, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And with them some of the Muonites, all the ites. When you read about the ites in the Old Covenant, those are just the enemies of God. And you could just think of them now for the church when you're trying to... I'm always trying to show you how to read the Old Covenant as a New Covenant believer. But these are just types and shadows of demonic forces that come against you. huh? The enemies of God. But all these ites were coming after them. And in the natural... It was not good. Um, they wanted to destroy him. King was in a bad situation he had to deal with. And it appeared that all would be lost in the natural. Um, I mean, if they were taking bets in Vegas, um, I mean, I don't think they would even take one, um, you know, for, you know, the odds were outrageous. Hopeless. So when Jehoshaphat, the king, he heard about this, I, w I want to just, <laughs> I just walked through this in sort of just realistic terms. But when he, he, he heard that, because they tell him right there in the beginning, that some men came and told Jehoshaphat that all these armies were coming after him. A great multitude is coming against you. And then if you skip down to the third verse, what was his first reaction? He's afraid. <laughs> just like, hey, just like you and I would have been. <laughs> but then he did the wisest thing any of us can do. He, he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast. So fasting and prayer is always a good thing. Amen? Amen? So he wasn't a mighty warrior king like some were. He was like King David. Uh, he wasn't anything special like that. Uh, he wasn't always full of faith and courage. Um, always ready to, to, to fight and take down his enemies. No, he was like uh, he was like most folks. He was, he was just like us, you know. <laughs> and his first reaction was fear, and um, he panicked a little bit. But um, I, you know, like I said, I'm not happy to say put yourself in the same place though. Put myself in the same place. I I, I probably would have done the same thing, truthfully. But in Second Chronicles. 20, right there in the third verse, he 
does what he should have done. The wisest thing. He sought the Lord. He, he, he prayed. And not only did he pray, but he took, everybody prayed. That, this is something that, where is it at? Even the kids. Uh, look at 13th verse. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. Huh? What happened to the times? When, you know, when I was a kid, you know, a lot of a kid, you know, we, 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 we're sad that we don't have uh, Sunday schools and, and children daycare and all that. You know, in the old days, uh, all, a lot of churches were just one room. The kids were right there with them. And they learned how to behave. And if they didn't, they just picked them up and walked outside with them. And dad gave that look as mama was walking out the door like, this ain't the last of it. <laughs> There's going to be another part when we get home. <laughs> Has to do with a, this strap of leather around my waist. And the kid didn't die. The Bible teaches about that. There needs to be a lot of teaching to the parents about that first, though. Because <laughs> most of them do it in anger, and you should never do it then. And then you got to back it up pre and after with lots of love and conversation. And it really should hurt you more than them. I'm talking to somebody today online because I don't want people to just start beating their kids because I said... God says to do it. There's a way to do it in love. Amen. Because you care about their soul and you love them. All right. <laughs> but it said, and all Judah stood before them with their little ones, their wives, and their children. So everybody was there. Hey, three armies are coming. We got no chance in the natural. And so they all began to pray. That's a good thing. What would we people do today? Everybody, every man for himself. They'd all take off running. Go try to join the other team. I don't know. What would they do? But everyone, wouldn't it be nice to just know that, hey, if anything like that happened around here, man, this place would be full. We'd all just be here praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. Man, I hope that I hope that's the case. I hope this nation gets back to a place like that. And I really believe this third great awakening is bringing that sort of behavior back to this nation. Amen. They're waking they're waking up from a, a demonic wokeness and uh, and they're beginning to realize they've been deceived and uh, it's going to be beautiful when all this revival continues to break out. <clears throat> Thank you, sir. So, they prayed. They stood before the Lord. They prayed. The men, the women, the children, the babies, the priests, they all fasted and prayed. They didn't, they didn't, uh, he got scared at first, but then he caught himself, right? 
and you start falling down the stairs, you catch yourself right away. It's a good thing. If you wait till you're in a full-blown roll, <laughs> it's hard to stop till you hit the bottom. Amen. <laughs> so he caught himself, and they began to pray instead of getting angry or lost or confused or depressed or hurt or bitter. Obviously, I've moved into us now instead of Jehoshaphat. But this is what we need to remember. We need to take lessons from every story in the Bible. It's put there for our benefit to learn from these folks and to put ourselves in those situations and say, based on who I am and what I have in Christ, here's what I hope I would do. And so, Lord, make me that way. You know? Make me usable and useful and make me a good steward of every single drop of blood that you've given me, every moment of time, every dollar that you've put in my care, everything. Make me a good steward. Make me the man or woman that you created me to be. Because I know there's awesomeness in here somewhere. Help me, Lord. Make me the awesome person that you created me to be. Because God don't make no junk. So we don't want to focus on the problem. Jehoshaphat could have just worried and fretted over that and just waited and been destroyed. And that's what will happen if we do that, if we just focus on the problem and just continue to sink lower and lower into the dark pit of despair and defeat, there's just no help there, you see? But that's self-imposed because we've taught that we have all the weapons that we need, all the weapons of our warfare, all the fruit of the Spirit, everything. God says, I've done all this for you. And I've taught you, or I, I have teaching here for you, and I've sent the Holy Spirit to remind you. And, 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 and so I don't want you to be in that situation, but now I'm not going to interfere with your free will. And if you choose, you can continue to do a downward progression into a pit of despair. But please don't. Please don't. I don't want to see any of my children living defeated lives. Know that when you're feeling overwhelmed by your circumstances, that's the time that you need to seek the Lord, just like they did. It's certainly not the time to run away from God or get bitter or angry or frustrated or disappointed with him. Remember I said we need to learn to discipline our disappointments, don't we? It's easier said than done, you know. I've ministered to another minister I've, several times a day. I do that. And half the time, the things I'm telling them, I'm like, 
just thanking God that it's not me on the other end of that phone, you know. And I, but I pray if it were that I'd have a friend like me to tell them what God says. And the worst thing I could do as a friend is just fall apart with them, you know. That's not what they need. <laughs> Get into the flesh with them, fall apart with them. Oh, no, you know. <laughs> it's like, no. We want to remember God. That's always want to keep God in remembrance. Put Him first. Take that, that is binoculars and flip them around. And that problem that looks so big will look really far off. And then put those binoculars on God, on the Word of God. Promises of God, the provision of God, peace of God. Huh? Whatever you magnify is going to be amplified in your life. Praise God. <laughs> so we remember God, the author and finisher of our faith. He's not the author of our problems, is he? Did God do that? I hear that all the time. And you, and you know why? Because that's what they were taught in church. God puts that stuff on you. He's teaching you something. You know, what did you do? You know, you need to repent of something. You know, this, that, and man. What a lie. That's no way to help anybody. And it's such a cop-out. It doesn't line up with this, this word, not the new covenant. And so God is a God of love and, and peace and joy. And we don't want to blame God and we don't want to blame other people. Amen. We're called to a life of faith, not fear. So like Jehoshaphat... It's all right to experience a little fear. Yeah? We're all going to from time to time. God doesn't condemn us and he doesn't get mad at us when we're afraid. But when you face tough times, when, when things aren't going the way that you hoped, if you receive a negative doctor's report or some bad news about your family or your business. Don't fall apart like a sugar cube in a rainstorm. Jesus is your answer. His perfect love for you will cast out all that fear. Those aren't just good sayings to hang on your refrigerator. I hope you do put them on your refrigerator because they're true. And the more you see them and say them, the more you're going to believe. I mean, we've all been in some pretty, really bad places in our lives. 
you faced mountains that seemed insurmountable. And I'm sorry, I'm not just trying to dredge things up. <laughs> Trust me. Doctor's reports, though, that seemed so compelling. You know, <laughs> that they just couldn't be overcome. Debt too large to tackle. Addiction too strong and dark to shake. Your whole life just seems to be circling the drain. Surrounded by enemies and, and, and left for dead, literally sometimes. In case you didn't notice, I'm just, uh, this is a list of some of my qualifications that qualified me for the grace of God. <laughs> the enemies that you face seem too numerous, too powerful. The loved ones that you've been praying for, they seem too far from God to ever realistically hope of their salvation as you once did. The dream of a beautiful life that you once believed for just seems like it so just a far-fetched enigma of past hopes and that too far out of reach. Time just passed you by. These are the things that I've experienced in my own life and I hear from others all the time. And I want to tell you today, the answer is you need to look up. Look up. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Man, that scripture says a lot. He is the only intercessor. He is the only one between God and man. He's our apostle and high priest. That means, that, you know, the high priest, that people didn't get to go to God in the old covenant. They went to the priest. And then the priest would say the prayer. Now we can go straight to, to God. Jesus is the only one in between. And he's throwing out all the junk. <laughs> and then he's putting your, your proper prayers into the bowl. Read the book of Revelation if you want to know what I'm talking about. And then when the bowl gets full, the angel kicks it over and lights it on fire with the fire of God. It comes back to earth with the blessing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but 
You see, God, it's, it's, it's such a, God is so true to his own word, you know. He holds himself accountable to his own word. It's like a legal document too, you know. But really you should look at it in the sense of not against you, out to try and convict you, but all a, a, a document of your blessings. But see, he's the, you see this, he says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, that's, that's all of you, consider Jesus, and then this part, I'm sure people just read right over, the apostle and high priest of our confession. For instance, I have a need. I can look at that need. I can fret over that need. I can worry over that need. I can cry and stomp my feet. I can point the finger. I can blame everybody because of that need. I can go choke the guy that owes me money because I have a need. I can blame God for that need. That need will not be met. But when I remember the promise of God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. Now, my high priest and apostle is going to work. With what? That confession that I just made. Of my inheritance. I'm writing a check. I wrote the check for the need by proclaiming the goodness and provision and power of my God. And now he's at work in the situation. The angels, he just looks at the angels and there they go. Hallelujah. The provisions and the promises. Well, all the 8,000 of those promises, they're right here in this book. So then, then I have them, right? Not until I start believing and, and confessing them. See what I'm saying? I see it. <laughs> That's how the kingdom works. Believe you have what you pray for when you pray. Don't believe you have what you need when you need it. Well, that you could if you say it, but my point is the need doesn't make the provision appear. Otherwise we wouldn't have any needs in the natural. Everything's been provided for already on account in your spirit, in the spiritual realm, the unseen world that created this one. That's where all of your stuff is. Everything that God has is yours. You are equal 
you share equally with Jesus, the, the natural born son himself. But it's all in spiritual realm, and you need to take the grace of God, which is everything provided through the atonement, and you grab hold of it by faith and pull it out into the natural realm. Second Chronicles chapter 20, back there where we were. Thirteen through seventeen, I was reading this. We all the families and the children and the king and and they all prayed. And verse fourteen, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. I didn't have to read those. I just wanted to see if I could. In the, in the midst of the assembly, and he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord. He got a word from God. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. He still had to go out to fight. Behold, they will not come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness. Then again, he says it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And just to make long story short, he, God caused all those armies to kill each other. <laughs> Didn't he? All things are possible with God. They all killed each other. All you need is a word from God. It's worth the time invested to get a word from God. One word from God has the power and ability for everything that you need in that word. All Jesus said to Peter to make him walk on water was come. In that one word, it obtained all the power that Peter needed to walk on that water. Why can't we just spend a little time praying and fasting and seeking the Lord about the things that are important and needed in our lives? Because when you know that God has given you a word, it gives you great confidence, which builds your faith and makes you strong and courageous as a lion. You see? 
That's all people want to know. I just want to know if it's God. I just want to know. I just want to hear God. I'm telling you, you can hear God. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I don't know who I'd tell more other people that or myself. You need a word from God. But that's always the answer. It's not a cop-out. It's the truth. God has the answer. Well, I sought God. I never had anybody tell me. I sought God with my whole heart. And when I found him, because he said I'd find him, and I did, but then I found him, and, and he said he did have the answer, but he, said, he told me no, I couldn't have it. Never had anybody tell me that. I don't believe I ever will. He's a good God. He loves us. Do you believe it? <laughs> so get a word from God. Then believe the word, stand on the word, speak the word, and nothing else. Forget about the thing that's coming against you. Quit, quit talking about it. Quit giving it any credence at all. Talk, uh, tell, quit telling God about your problem and start telling your problem about God. And watch and see the deliverance of the Lord on your behalf. 2 Corinthians 10, and I'll finish up here, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Man, I spend so much of my life trying to teach people this, especially young men. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. Just wrong thinking. Thinking that doesn't line up with God. The kind of stuff that makes you say to somebody, hard head, listen. <laughs> That's a stronghold. Unless you're just being me. <laughs> Pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down imaginations. I don't mean the godly imaginations that create hope. The target for your faith. But the ungodly imagination. That runs rampant in so many of us. And every high thing, what's that? We've been talking about, what's the opposite of humility? Pride. Every high thing, high-minded, prideful. Every high thing that exalteth itself. Who exalted itself above God or tried to? Lucifer. Yeah. Now Satan. 
against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Here's our responsibility. We bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ to line up with the word of God. Amen? Amen. You cannot succumb to anything that you have not allowed yourself to think about. Whether it is sin or fear or bitterness or suspicion or unforgiveness. Hello. So let me show you in the scripture how to be totally humble and totally confident. Because they seem a little opposite, don't they, sometimes? They're not. People that think that don't understand humility. Because without understanding this, humility is no fun. Humility is just someone that just grovels all around on the ground and, oh, I'm just a nothing sack. You know, go ahead and kick me. I'm already dead. First Peter 5, <laughs> verse 6. And here's, here we're going to learn how to be totally humble and totally confident. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. See there? We have to do it ourselves, a matter of our free will. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. See, God's the one that promotes you. But he exalts the humble. So we humble ourselves, and at the proper time, and who knows better than he what's your, what your real where you're really at, your true spiritual location, identity, in your soul. We know it's perfect in your spirit, but he knows your con the condition of your soul. You can be a chameleon in your soul, you see. You can put on an act for people, but not for God. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Now, there we go. This is humility, folks, for he cares for you. True humility is casting all of the worries and concerns and bitterness and unforgiveness and troubles of your life, casting it upon the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. You're, a, you're his sheep. You're one of his flock. He don't expect you to run to show. He doesn't expect you to want for anything. He expects you to come to him with your needs. He's the one that leads you beside the still waters. 
He's the one that caused you to lie down in the green pastures. But if you don't include him in your life, you see what I'm saying? True humility is just being free of all that worry. When you're carrying the worry, the burden, you're putting yourself in his place. And that's not humility. That's exalting yourself once again. And listen, it sneaks up on you. <laughs> but when you catch yourself worrying and fretting and becoming angry or bitter, however it manifests, it's all from the same thing. It's all from that hurt little child inside of you. <clears throat> and I don't want to sound like some psychiatrist, but it's true. There are rejection issues in us. There's hurts and pains, and they manifest in all kind of ugly. Because <coughs> we haven't given it to God. We need to be worry-free. That's when we're truly humble. <coughs> we magnify the Lord. We say, my God is so big and so strong. My dad can just handle anything and he doesn't, he's going to take up for me. He's going to provide for me. Here, Dad. <coughs> and we just cast our cares upon him and leave them there. How many of, how many of you cast them and then quickly give me that back for just a minute, Dad? Or, Father, I, I cast my care upon you this morning. And uh, like Naaman, I expected <laughs> that you would have handled it by noon. <laughs> so I said, then you leave in a rage and you take it back. <laughs> hey, just, just go dip in the dirty water. Huh? <laughs> just, just do what God says. Cast your care on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Now he's saying, listen, I want to prepare you. You cast all your cares upon me. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm your Savior, your God, your brother, your friend, your high priest forever, your God in whom you can trust. Cast your cares on me. But now there, there is an enemy, so be sober and vigilant. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil. I, I'm not the enemy. Remember John 10.10. 10. They used to accuse me of it even when I walked the earth. But I'm not. I'm the good guy. But you have an adversary, the devil. And he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Seeking whom he may devour, it better said than King James. Because see, it's a legal document. Who can give him that authority? Does he have authority or did he get his butt whooped already? Yeah. See, he, he, he bit the heel, but God sent someone to stomp the head. And the head had been stomped. 
In the first couple of pages of the Bible, you can see what I'm talking about. Jesus was that head stomper. You're not trying to obtain a victory. You just need to protect the victory that's already been won. And don't let the devil deceive you and talk you out of what is yours rightfully because of what Jesus died to provide you with. Resist him, the devil. Resist him. Firm in your faith. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? This tells you why. Because he loves you. And he doesn't want that enemy to be able to take care, uh, advantage of you. So you need to walk in faith. Resist him firm in your faith. That tells you that it's your faith that helps you to resist the real adversary, which is the devil. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's something about us that just, if we're going through something terrible, I don't know why, but it makes us feel better if someone else is suffering too <laughs> with the same problem. <laughs> we don't want to admit it, but since Peter wrote it down, we just have to cop to it. It's just like, okay, we're all in this together. Well, that's why we carry each other's burdens. We don't have to literally be the person in the fire to take some of that burden off of them. All it takes is a phone call, a card, a smile, something, and you take a little bit of that burden. Right, Samuel? He might have ministered that to me recently. It seems like it seems like you did. I don't know why. Anyway, you guys ministered to me too. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, it doesn't mean he's gonna he's got a timer on it. Well let them suffer a little. They're still cooking. No. He just knows that in this world we will have tribulations because we do have an enemy and it's a fallen world. But he's saying, after a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know? He didn't leave you in the mess. He didn't put you in the mess. He had to leave the 99 to find the one. It, there was this period of time from the time he started looking and the time he found them and brought them back and restored them and cleaned them up and gave them a bath and put them with the, the rest of the flock, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. That didn't make him a bad guy. <laughs> right. He loved him. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You have power to resist the devil. But you have to choose to resist. It's that simple. Know who you are. Know what you have. And walk it out. We've been given authority in Christ. As children of God. And that's what we are. It's hard to fathom. But we are. According to Jesus. And the teaching of the Bible. We have been given authority to carry out authority to carry out 
the purposes of God. Why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil. And, in, and to advance the kingdom. That's our job. Why, why didn't he just take you when he saved you? Well, how many times have you ever, <laughs> when things get really hard, why didn't you just take me? <laughs> just take me when you saved me, Lord. Because he needs you here. You're special. You're gifted. You're holy to him, and the world needs you. There's a sick and dying world that needs you to help advance the kingdom of God and bring, bring some of them with us. That's what I tell people all the time. My, my goal here is, is to make you promise to meet me in heaven. Heal the sick. Defeat the works of Satan, the powers of darkness. We're actually the enforcers of the victory that Jesus has already won. That's what he told me last night. I like that too. Luke 9, 1, and I'm done. I just want to read some scriptures to y'all. Is that okay? Just to confirm that. <laughs> Jesus called them, the apostles together. He said he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases. That was Luke 9, 1. In Matthew 10, 8, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. We got to watch them words. And we got to watch them grammar. First <laughs> oh. John 4, 4. Little children, who's that? Us. You are from God and have past tense overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mark 16, 17 and these signs will Jesus said, will accompany those who believe in my name. In, in, in the name of Jesus, we don't have any authority of our own, but it's, it's all his authority that's been given to us. In my name, they will cast out demons and speak in new tongues. Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you Authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are demonic powers, demons. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You don't rule the devil. You can't fly over a city rent a plane and fly over the city and run the devil off from that city. <laughs> oh, 
although people try. But you, you can keep him from messing with you. Hmm? He's entitled to be here in this world. He's running this place for a time. But you have been given authority over all the power or the works of the devil. Every, every scheme that he's behind regarding you and yours, you have authority over. James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God. There's that humility again. Resist the devil. And there's a result. He will flee from you. There's no ambiguity in that. There's no maybe he will, maybe he won't. God said it, that settles it. If you're submitted to God and you actively resisting or fighting against the devil, and sometimes fighting the devil is just praising God in the midst of a trying circumstance when the enemy is trying to get you to talk about the circumstance. He will flee from me. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is won. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take 10 seconds to tell Jesus how much you love him and thank him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Well, I love you all, and I thank you for loving each other and being a wonderful disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never cared about making converts. Of course, that's part of it. Doesn't mean I don't want people to be converted. But you notice that's not my main focus. I don't, I didn't do an altar call here today because you're all saved and I know it. So that would just be show. You see what I'm saying? I'm not here just to do church, just to do religion. I'm here to do the church from the book of Acts I'm here to create disciples to raise you up for the work of the ministry. There is powerful ministry in you. And there are people out there that whether they know it or not, they need you desperately. People that God will put in your path and that you will have a sphere of influence over. They'll listen to you. They like you for whatever reason. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much and for teaching us your will and your ways. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand, Lord, knowing that we're nothing apart from you, but also knowing that we're never apart from you. You'll never leave us or forsake us. So we cast all our cares upon you. Help us not to pick them back up. Help us to remember that you're faithful and that you handle things in your way, in your timing. And we can just be free and rest and peace and love and joy because you've, you've already paid the price for that for us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. amen.